0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy on a small planet called Gekonia, east of the Albino Hills and south of the raging Lucistic River comes the one, the only Gecko Nation Radio. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Gecko Nation Radio. Today is December thirteenth, two 2015. Uh, we have a really cool show planned tonight, and um, my hope is that tonight's show will enlighten a lot of the new people that are coming into the hobby uh, about some of the challenges that we face as a community and as a hobby and as what some people call an industry that's definitely growing um, at some point in time we became targeted by animal rights groups and fishing and game and um we're in a position where we have to defend our rights to own our pets and it can be it's, it's been an ongoing battle, it's been a struggle. Um we've had some losses and some wins and it's been probably well Our guest somebody can explain it better than me and explain our position, and that's pretty much why I invited him on the show. Um, A lot of us don't really understand legal terms and the legal process, especially with this type of process. And um, Richard Stanley is the attorney for USARC, the United States Association of Reptile Keepers, that's out there protecting our rights to own our pets. Okay very essential. Very, We're very fortunate that we have them, okay? And they need our help. Legal fees cost a lot of money, and it's a shame that, you know, we have to spend money to protect our animals and the right to keep our animals. But without them out there fighting for us like that, we may have lost a, a good portion of this already, and it would only just make it easier for uh, more of our rights to be taken in the future so before we get into the actual interview and discussion tonight i'd like to uh, remind everybody that if you can donate some money no matter what it is to the u.s arc legal defense fund uh go to usarc.org okay donate what you can anything will help and uh try to encourage others to donate and if you get something out of tonight's broadcast then to make sense you try to explain it to other people that maybe just got their first gecko or petco and they're really excited. I mean, I know it's kind of a bummer to, to tell them, Oh yeah, by the way, you know, you might not be able to keep those in the future, but it, it's one of those things that just has to be done. You know, um, it's serious. So before we get into the show, I want to thank our sponsors, of course, and I also have some cool discount codes for you guys. All right. <clears throat> My asthma is, uh, Kicking a little in a little bit today, so bear with me, folks. I see some chat, uh, people in the chat room already. Great, cool. All right, uh, right off the bat, I'm going to start with our first sponsor that was with us from the very start, and that's Dale's Bearded Dragons. They have become the biggest dry goods seller, uh, reptile supplies that all the shows on the east coast and are just growing rapidly. So they're also got a big online store now. Go to dbdpet.com, and you guys can compare their prices. They have awesome prices on just about any reptile supplies, products, supplements, lighting, heating, anything you could possibly need. uh, They have available for you there. So check them out at dbdpet.com, and the special code for the discount is GNR5. All right? That's all in caps, okay? GNR5. That will give you 5% off your order every time. So that's really gracious of them to give that to us. Also, AB Dragons. AB Dragons is the best source for dubia roaches that I found, and I'm proud to have them as a sponsor as well. Check out abdragons.com. They also have a wide variety of uh, obscure species of roaches. So if you have geckos or reptiles that won't take the standard dubia roach and you need something a little more exotic or a different size, they they probably have it now. So, abdragons.com, and the code for 5% off for them is GECKO, all in caps. Use that code at checkout for 5% off your order. And while we're talking about creepy crawly bugs and stuff, who doesn't love rainbow mealworms? I love rainbow mealworms. Uh, I get 30,000 worms here delivered every week. Check out rainbowmealworms.net. Uh They have just about the best pricing on worms, biggest worm farm in the world, all the way going back to 1956. And uh, we're just uh, very glad to have them with us. Check them out, net. okay? Also, if you guys are beginning to ship animals, if you have a small breeding operation and you have customers now that you want to get your animals to in the country or to Puerto Rico and Canada, uh, you're going to want to do it the legal way and you're going to want to ship and get your uh, FedEx labels at the best pricing that you can get them at. So check out, uh, reptilesexpress.com and I use their shipping supplies uh, for all my shipping and I have to really like the boxes they use. The boxes they use are very uh, thick insulation on the, unlike other boxes that have a thin insulation. So uh, I found that they have the best boxes very clearly uh, written on their live animals and can't miss it. So those are the best boxes i found. So check out reptilesexpress.com and ask for Amy if you need any help setting up your account and, uh, learning how to ship. It's really not as hard as you think. All right. And along with shipping, um, if you're breeding animals, sooner or later, you're going to want to upgrade from fish tanks and exoteras and get into rack systems and rack systems are definitely a great way to keep your animals. If you're keeping a lot in a small amount of uh, space. So, one of the best uh, rack manufacturers out there today is C Serpents, seaserpents.com. Check out seaserpents.com and hotboxincubators.com. All right, very high-quality racks and incubators, and uh, their incubators are really cool. They have lights in them, and the thermostat is built in. You just plug them in. They're ready to go. All right, so seaserpents.com. All right, and also part of your business needs, if you need logos or banners, or uh, any kind of promotional materials such as uh, stickers and graphic design work, check out reptilestickers.com and Happy Gecko on Facebook, okay? Check out Happy Gecko on Facebook and reptilestickers.com. Rachel is her name. She'll be happy to help you, okay? And also, a lot of people that listen to the show are really interested in leopard geckos and leopard gecko morphs and how to care for them, how to breed them. You have a lot of questions like it, trust me. Uh, a lot of us breeders are very busy. We can't get to everybody. It's a really big uh, phenomenon that's happening with leopard geckos right now. So if you guys want to find a place to get really good information and not worry about Facebook so much as, you know, if you're getting good information from someone or bad, go to geckoforums.net. Type your uh, inquiries there. You're going to get all kinds of history of answers going back from, like, the first time some of these questions were asked. This This thing goes back to 2006, all right? So you can learn about the history of morph making. You can learn about husbandry, and all kinds of good stuff. So geckoforums.net. Okay. All right, and a few more. We have awesome sponsors and a lot of them. Uh, gecko Boa reptile Check out geckoboa.com for all kinds of high-quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types. John has uh, all the available wild types for leopard geckos on his site. Uh, world-class breeder, top-notch, knows what he's doing. Best bloodlines available. GeckoBoa.com. He's also on Facebook at Reptiles. All right, and Ohio Gecko. I don't know that. I think is a missing action, but um, check out OhioGecko.com. He's uh, one of the best breeders out there. we tangerines, fat tails. He's pioneering the fat tail morph called the Starburst. All right, so check out OhioGecko.com. All right, and SupremeGecko.com is run by Wally Kern. Wally is doing something he does every year, which is 12 Days of Christmas, which is a contest that you guys can get in on and uh, win a chance to win cool stuff, products and uh, animals and gift certificates. I even put up a gecko for somebody to win, a nice eclipse uh, this year. So uh, check out SupremeGecko.com on Facebook and, of course, the website. The website is more than just sales. It has all kinds of information there for you guys. Um and the uh, products as well. So he sells Cresties and day geckos, micro geckos, really good stuff. All right, then let's see. Last but not least, Mr. Ron Schremper, leopardgecko.com. Check out leopardgecko.com uh, for just about anything you guys need gecko-wise, leopard gecko-wise, morphs. And going back 35-plus uh, 30, years, Ron has been doing this, and if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have a lot of the morphs that are in circulation today. So check out com. He's got an app called LG Pro. LG Pro. Check that app out as well. And uh, that's like an encyclopedia of gecko-morse. All right. For all you new folks out there. All right. That's it for the sponsors. i also just like to mention quickly, uh, our affiliates, Herpentine Radio and Corn on the Pod. Herpentine Radio has been going strong for over three years now, and they have an archive of awesome shows. They're on every Sunday night. At 5 p.m., so check them out, Herpentine Radio. And Corn in the Pod, if you guys like hula and corn snakes, that's the show to to listen to there. And uh, also, uh, Morelia Python Radio, check them out as well. Okay. And uh, Tim was going to come on briefly in the beginning of the show because he's going to be uh, taking some time off uh, from co-hosting during the wintertime because he's got a lot going on with work and stuff. So I'll just make that announcement for him. Um, we were planning on taking some time off for the winter, but the more I think about it, um, the more I just want to keep doing the show. I, I really like doing it. So um, I may just take a couple uh, shows off here and there throughout the winter, but as far as a uh, total hiatus, uh, we're not going to do that. All right? So we'll cool be here for you to listen to. And uh, that's all the business there is for tonight. So I'm going to go ahead and bring our guest on. Uh, Richard Stanley, you're live on Gecko Radio. Hi, Rich. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you, David? I'm doing well. Good to have you on the show. Thank you so much for giving, giving us some of your time tonight, Rich. No problem. All right. Um, I was thinking a good place to start the show would be to basically introduce yourself and um, let everybody know a little bit about your history in herpeticulture. Okay,
2: sure. Um, well, I've I've had... Reptiles and amphibians of my own for a little over fifty years. Um, my first uh pet was when I was five years old. I had a pet box turtle, and I've been hooked ever since uh, um, I've been a lawyer for almost thirty years um, and i I started actually fighting these legal fights in um maryland um before u.s was even in existence um, lived in the everglades for a couple years um before i went to law school so that i guess that'll give you a little bit of an idea
1: right and it, it, we were talking on the phone and it, it's just like it's perfect that we have someone like you that knows this hobby and industry inside and out representing us legally because you know exactly what you're talking about. And uh, that's comforting. And uh, throughout our conversations uh, over the past couple of weeks, I came to you and I told you that, you know, I was feeling kind of very nervous and, you know, not so confident and a little upset about the whole situation that we were in right now and, uh, you really were able to put my mind at ease, and um, a lot of folks out there are are new hobbyists. They have no idea the, the struggles that we face and the threat to our uh, hobby that we face. And uh, maybe you can break it down a little bit for them. And like one of the questions that I have, like, what what put us on their radar, so to speak? What 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 that got them interested in permaculture and as something to go after? And when do you when do you think this kind of started this whole fight that we're facing? Well, this
2: actually goes back quite a few decades. Uh, I've done some research um, on um, the Lacey Act. I've done research on um, the four-inch turtle ban at the f- uh, federal level, and mm-hmm. you know, and, and going back. To the 60s and 70s, 1960s and 1970s, um, when the federal government was initially putting the turtle ban in place, the the four-inch turtle rule, um, you, you can read right in the federal register that HSUS, Humane Society of the United States, was one of the commenters. And they thought that no one should have turtles as pets, so this goes Period. back a long, long way mm-hmm. but it's uh, but it's gotten obviously worse in, in more recent years
1: okay what what was it about the turtles what made them decide on four inches as a you know as a guideline?
2: oh I, yeah that's that's kind of interesting because um initially um and and, and i and i should say it's it's, it's really just arbitrary um and, and initially they had um proposed i believe it was a six inch rule which was again arbitrary they were just trying to come up with a size that Kids wouldn't like as a pet um, hmm. and one of the comments i think i think one of the comments that really made a difference way back then was that some turtles at full size turtles and um bog turtles don't right, even get, yeah don't even get over four inches so yeah, um yeah so so they just they just said okay, you know, you know, they just next time around they just had four inches in there and, and they had something about, you know, kids putting the turtles in their mouth, um, which I guess I guess was part of it, but it was it was it was essentially arbitrary and and the history was pretty simple. They said, you know, we're gonna try something and if we have outbreaks of salmonella then we'll just get more restrictive. And They just picked something, and it was four inches, and that was it.
1: Well, when I was young, when I was a kid, I think I probably saw the last days of the little baby red-eared sliders and, like, Woolworths and stuff like that. um, Right. You know, but back then, you would buy a turtle, and they would sell you that little plastic, uh, I don't know, it would look like a little dish It was so small, and there's no filter, of course, and had, like, little steps for the turtle to climb out, but very, I mean, the turtle was the size of a quarter, and its habitat was maybe less than a foot long, and, you know, they would sell you that, a little thing, uh, a turtle food, and of course, now, there's no filtration, there's no water, uh, there's no chemicals, like safe uh, safe coat or whatever that stuff is called, um, and there's no aquarium salt being sold back then, and of course, you now people aren't going to be cleaning the water regularly, and maybe there were a couple of cases where people got sick. I don't know, but I'm thinking something like that must have happened, and due to not keeping these animals correctly, to put put turtles on the radar like that. I mean, is that a good assessment, Rich?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I I I, I mean, these groups, and and, you know, and and I you know and I haven't done you know research to understand you know. You know whether you know how they've evolved, but you can see from early on, all the way back in the 60s and 70s, they just thought that what we would call animal rights groups. They just thought that people shouldn't have any reptiles or amphibians as pets. In fact, in my research on the Lacey Act, I saw where there was a proposal at the federal level. Um, back in those years where they were going to say no reptiles or amphibians can be imported and we'll except for a few that we'll put on a list that'll be okay. And right. that of course that never happened and people don't even realize that you know, decades and decades ago this was this was actually going
1: on and this lacey act goes back all the way to the early nineteen hundreds when uh people were collecting bird feathers is that what I remember correctly from uh, that's correct yes
2: yeah. yeah it was i think it was in fact i think it was enacted in nineteen hundred all
1: right and they've just been adding to this act ever since and um even that even uh, certain wood from uh pe- that people were importing for guitars wasn't it a uh,
2: yeah, it was it was the Gibson guitar case, um, yep. where the uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife went after Gibson, and um, they ended up settling the case and paying some very substantial fines. And um, I can tell you, I I'd written to my congressman um, about the Lacey Act in the last six to eight months. I got a, I got a four-page letter back. All about the Gibson really? guitar case. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I've got, I've got it right here. You know, hand signed by my congressman, and you know, you're know, saying, yeah, I agree with you, and then just going off on the Gibson guitar case and just how utterly ridiculous, the, you know, the, the Lacey Act is. And so there's clearly um, representatives who are very unhappy with that law.
1: That's good to know. At least they're at least they're aware of it and they're they know what uh, they know what it is. Um some of them don't don't even know what it is, right? I mean they're becoming more aware of it today because uh, we're out there trying to change things, but um I'm sure not ever not all of these congressmen even know what that's about, right? I mean
2: Yeah, I I, I think it's it's more of the you know, the, the congressman that you know, are concerned about um, business and business being able to conduct itself without interference from government and, you know, and and what happened to the Gibson um, Guitar Company just really struck a chord with them and they were very unhappy about it. Um, No pun
1: intended, right? Yep. Well, I wonder how much... uh Money gifts and lost throughout everything with the the legal battle and everything. Um, got to be uh, got to be big big bucks. Yeah, it was big bucks. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, getting back to our situation, um, over the over the last few years, it's uh, it's always for me like that's of what's going on. I don't know all the intricate details, details of course, and that's why you're here with us tonight. Um, it's always been like a little black cloud in the background for me just to know that what I love to do uh, is threatened and um, could become difficult or impossible to do in the future. And it's, uh, it's gotten me a little down in the dumps. Uh, but I do think about things like that. I do. I'm a worry. Talk a little bit about what's going on and what USARC is doing for us and uh Basically, uh, let's help put some people's minds at ease, like you did for me, uh, Rich. If you don't mind doing it again. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure, no problem. Um, yeah, I
2: mean, you know, kind of, you know, coming up, you know, to up to date. You know, you know what we have now is, you know, a bunch of call animal rights groups that are essentially lobbying organizations. They're not the ones that are taking care of cats and dogs um, at your local shelter and the uh, you know, the Humane Society of the United States, um, ASPCA, PETA, um, Animal Legal Defense Fund or something like that. There's, there's a half a dozen or more of them. And then we've actually had some of the organizations that have more of an environmental sound to them, Center for Biological Diversity and the Nature Conservancy, who have essentially been infiltrated by animal rights people, and they have taken on that agenda. So those those are our adversaries. And, um, and, and, and they're well-financed, you know, I, I, I was looking at the Humane Society of the United States and I don't know what it is this year, but a couple of years ago they were bringing in like $160 million. So, you know, they're obviously very well-financed and they, they, they don't just go after us. They go after animal agriculture, um, and anything really, they they go after zoos. Uh, really, I mean anything having to do with animals, they go after.
1: Yeah, I mean when I see uh, when I see like uh, the Humane Society International uh, going overseas and and like I just saw a video the other day of them um, taking down a dog meat farm in South Korea. I mean, something like that, I'm a dog lover. I mean, something like that, I'm like, wow, good for them. You know, they shut down this, this dog meat farm. I mean, these people eat dogs over there. Jeez. And, uh, you know, that makes me feel good. But then, you know, when when the same types of things happen about with pet owners, it's like it, it's a totally opposite feeling. What's Why is there such a broad spectrum? Why is there nobody differentiating between, like, real animal abuse and people just learning to keep their pets?
2: Well, it's it's become an industry, really. And um they have to they they have to keep, have to keep their people busy, to find things to go after. Um they they send people, uh, I was just listening the other night to someone who worked for the Humane Society and he had been sent on missions to Work at farms, and then send information back to the humane society, and it was, you know, and then he explained how, like, it gets falsified. Um, so, you know, it's a lot of money, I guess, that they have, and they're looking for things to go after. And it's an ideology, and you know, they think that animals should have the same rights as people, and. So you couldn't have another person as a pet. So you can't have a dog as a pet. Hello.
1: I'm here. I'm sorry. There was
2: a problem.
1: Um, When I when I see these organizations going after people like that, round up these dolphins and coves and stuff and kill them by the hundreds. Um, like, I think that uh, sometimes I'm like, all right, well, I'm glad they're out there trying to do something about that. And, but, uh, you know, like I said earlier, at the same time, it's like, well, you know, they're going after animal lovers. Yeah, I mean, we don't keep these animals because we don't right. love them. We keep them because we do love them. And uh, the majority of us take very good care of our animals. Uh, of course, there's always exceptions to everything. Um, but I think, generally speaking, I, I think most people take very good care of their reptiles. Um, I mean, every once in a while we hear somebody that isn't, of course, but um, and that doesn't make everybody look bad as a whole. Uh, do you think those types of incidents uh, affect us uh, very badly? Do you think they're noticed and um, it's like a, another nail in the coffin, so to speak?
0: Well, sh-
2: well sure. I mean, when when, when people you know, represent the reptile and the animal you know, community poorly by not taking care of their animals, That those those are the ones where these groups you know single them out to make an example of them and then try to make it look like that's what everybody does. But
0: you know, what right. the
2: listeners need to know and understand is that if you go to the Humane Society of the United States webpage, for example, you'll find right on their webpage in 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 black and white that they say nobody should have any reptile or amphibian as a pet. Period. And that's what you're facing.
1: Alright. Alright, so we know they don't like us, that's for sure. What where are we at legally with uh with this battle right now?
2: Okay, well, well
1: I mean in, in, in the last
2: year, we've accomplished more than I could have ever imagined. The um, we, we 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 had filed a lawsuit um, against the listing of the Burmese python, African rock pythons, and yellow anaconda. And at the beginning of this year, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife decided to add. Through the list of prohibited snakes um, three more species of anaconda um, the one that people would know is the green anaconda plus the reticulated python and we were ready to um, respond to that and responded quickly we amended our complaint um, added to our complaint that we were challenging the um the listing of the reticulated python and the three additional species of anacondas and we filed for a preliminary injunction to stop us fish and wildlife from enforcing that current listing um we we weren't able to do anything about the uh, we weren't able to include in the preliminary injunction the Burmese pythons and African rock pythons and yellow anacondas, they're in our main lawsuit. But the preliminary injunction requires you to uh, follow, it, essentially, immediately. And so the only ones that we could challenge at this point were the ones that were just listed. And so we did. And... That the standard for getting a preliminary injunction is extraordinarily high, and it's 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 very unusual to get a preliminary injunction when the other side is claiming environmental damage, which is what they're claiming with the, with the Burmese pythons and whatnot in Florida. And nonetheless, we did get a preliminary injunction and that allows um, the uh, U.S. Art members to transport from state to state uh, reticulated pythons and yellow anacondas, um, with the exception of Florida and Texas at this point, because the judge looked and just assumed for purposes – of the preliminary injunction that the allegations that the government was making would were accurate and said, well, you know, you're only claiming that they could survive in Southern Texas and Southern Florida. So those are the only States that, you know, we won't include in the
1: preliminary injunction. And what exactly is an injunction for people that don't understand it? Well, An injunction
2: it says to U.S. Fish and Wildlife, you may not enforce the law um, with respect to whatever the injunction covers. In this case, um, it covers the interstate transportation of reticulated pythons and um green anacondas and um when we get to the main part of the case then the judge will also include the Burmese pythons, the African rock pythons, and the um yellow anacondas as, as part of you know a permanent injunction, assuming that the The appeal that's that's um going on right now that we prevail, which it's we have a very strong case, and so I would say that you know the likelihood is is that we will prevail, and even if they knocked it out on some kind of technical argument as long as we we continue to prevail on the argument that the Lacey Act doesn't prevent the transportation of injurious species within the continental United States, um, then one way or the other we'll get that injunction for all the snakes that have been listed. And in fact that 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 ruling will apply For all injurious species Because they just They they just interpreted the law In a way that um, The law wasn't written And in a way That the legislative history Clearly showed Was not what was intended When around the 1960s The Lacey Act was amended And even and, And even U. Uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife had, at one point back then, proposed a regulation that made it clear that even if you had animals that were listed as injurious species, that you'd be allowed to um, transport them within what they call the continental United States, meaning that you couldn't transport them to um, Hawaii and you couldn't transport them to territories and you know, like Guam, Puerto Rico, and places like that, but within the 49 continental United States that you wouldn't be allowed to transport them.
1: Okay. Now, with this injunction and, and the appeal, we're going to be going back to court when?
2: Well, actually, actually um, we... We received, um, on this past Wednesday, the brief for the Center for Biological Diversity and the Humane Society of the United States. They intervened in the case. um, And a week prior to that, we had received the brief for um, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. So now we have all the briefs that are gonna be filed against us um, where they're gonna to try to support why they've appealed our injunction. And on January 11th, we will file our brief and explain why their reasoning is incorrect. And you know, to be honest with you, you know what I've seen in the briefs is essentially nothing particularly new, nothing particularly novel. It's just that essentially all they're saying is, or trying to say is that the judge at the district court level made a mistake and so the whole thing should be overturned. And he wrote, it's like a 60 page opinion. Um, he was very meticulous he understood the issues from from the first minute that he started speaking in the courtroom. The very first hearing at the beginning of this year, I just said, oh, my God, this guy read everything we sent him, and he understands what's going on, and he basically looked at U.S. Fish and Wildlife and started asking them very hard questions, and it was clear that what he was saying to them is, look, I think these people are entitled to the preliminary injunction that they're asking for. And I think that their position on interstate transportation of injurious species is, is correct. And so I'm going to give you the opportunity to explain to me, you know, you know where I misunderstand this. And, and and they knew it, and the Fish and Wildlife knew that, too, because um, you could see it in their faces, it, it looked like a funeral. I mean, you could see they—they literally—they, I mean, they you could their faces just dropped, and you could see they knew that 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 you, know, that you know the gig was up. That they weren't going to be able to get away with this. Nope. Yeah. Is yeah.
1: there any um, is
2: there any video footage at all of these proceedings? No, no, no,
1: no there isn't. Um, and, and that's really
2: a shame because, you know, I, 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 at, at the first hearing, I, you know, I, I had a, a, a much better angle, but because of the way I was sitting, I had a much better angle to see the people, from, the faces of the people from U.S. Fish and Wildlife. At the second hearing, I couldn't. But you know, you know, there were several times when we, when, 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 when the judge would take a break and give the parties an opportunity to go out in the hallway to discuss matters and you could just see from you know the two groups that would be out in the hallway you could see it was morbid in one group and the other group was you know active which was our group was active and you know kind of you know having fun and so on and then after the hearing even out in front of the building when everyone was waiting for their taxis and so on you could see this group and they were just <laughs> I mean I've seen happy funerals. I mean I mean they, they it was just it was just totally morbid and whereas, you know, our group, you know, it was it was very lighthearted and you know, kinda just kinda having fun.
1: hmm Wow. So so basically their response was more or less what you expected from them and going forward, uh you guys uh, pretty much know how you're going to respond to their response. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we – yeah, yeah. I mean, the first thing I
2: should say is that, you know, when at the beginning of this year they listed the reticulated python and green anaconda and two other species of anaconda, we we had the research. We have been sitting on it, and we knew, and we were just and, – and and we knew – what we were going to do if they decided to list the animals, and so we were able to immediately respond, um, and 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 punch you know punch right back, and I I'm, I don't imagine that they were really prepared for it, and just and 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 in a similar way, you know we our our legal um, group in in uh, Washington D.C. Had essentially outlined, and they were prepared for what was anticipated in the briefs that were going to be filed, and we're just waiting for them. And so, you know, we're we're doing our best, you know, to be proactive, to be prepared, to be ready, to have done our, you know, research thoroughly. Um, and yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're ready for them.
1: When do you think? Um, I know you said your response has to be you're going to respond in January. When do you think uh, the next court appearance will be?
2: Well, there will be a couple other briefs that go back and forth, and then um, you know, eventually we'll have a hearing. Um, you know, the, 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 the they haven't scheduled a hearing date yet. I would imagine that we're talking probably March. They're guessing, and and um, and then, you know, there, there'll be a hearing. That's where lawyers for both sides um, will essentially be peppered with questions um, based on the briefs that have been filed, and then there'll be a written decision as to whether or not, essentially, the judge that ruled in our favor at the district court made a mistake. And um, once you know we, we, we get that ruling, um, assuming it's in our favor, um, the, the only place that U.S. Fish and Wildlife has to go to appeal that is the Supreme Court of the United States. And the Supreme Court of the United States doesn't have to take appeals, um, so I don't know exactly what the percentage is, but it's probably you know around one or two percent of cases that are brought to them that they actually decide are important enough for their consideration. I I would think so, it's fairly unlikely they would even take this case, so that that would mean that case would go back to the district judge and um, we would proceed with the case and one of the first things that would happen is we'd file for summary judgment on the issue of interstate transportation which is a legal issue it's an interpretation of law and presumably because the decisions already been made by that judge gone on appeal, and assuming that it's upheld, then when we would file for summary judgment, it would just be, it should just be a rubber stamp saying, you yeah, know, I've already considered all of this, and summary judgment, and essentially giving us a a, um, a permanent injunction allowing the interstate transportation of all of the snakes that have been listed already.
1: With no additional ones being added, right? I'm sorry. And then, then they wouldn't they wouldn't be so inclined to add more because it's already the precedent has been set, right?
2: Well, you know, I mean, what that means is is that is is that the breeders um, will at that stage of the litigation will then and and and. And, and in that states of litigation, it'll apply not to, to just u s art members it'll apply to everyone because that's you know we 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 filed the preliminary injunction on behalf of everybody, but because it's u s arc that filed it, the preliminary injunction only applied to u s art members. but once we would get a permanent injunction, then that would apply to everybody in the United states and so breeders or anybody else would be able to transport their snakes um, within the continental United States. Uh, Then the case would go on to the next part, which is essentially, you know, some people, the science part. You know, was the actual listing of these species correct? And, then and, and and then that would that would be the big issue, and we would fight on the science as to whether or not, you know, the, the way the, the the listing was proper, whether the science that they provided to support listing these animals um, was 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 good science.
1: And with that, uh, assuming we win that, is there any recourse to getting? Uh, money put out in legal expenses for this fight if it was deemed no. unnecessary or unlawful?
2: No. No, unfortunately no. it doesn't work that way. Um yeah, we won't yeah. get our money back. Um but but we you know you know it's, it's, if 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 and you know and I think we have a very strong case there. So um I, I think that the you know the, the government has on you know on on both aspects of this case on the interstate transportation and on the science part that they really um, didn't think that the reptile community would fight back and I I, I just I just and and I don't think that um, I I don't I'm I t- it's hard because cause it's been very clear to me that you know the, the grounds for for fighting this case. Um, I'm not sure what they were thinking. I, you know, I, I guess they just thought they could get away with it, or, or you know, because cause, you know, Lacey Act listings aren't aren't challenged. You know, you know they're they're, you know, they're listing zebra mussels and all kinds of stuff that you know, people aren't buying and selling as pets, so they're they're not being challenged this is um this is you know one of the you know it's certainly the first time that they've tried to list you know animals that were widely held as pets
1: mm-hmm. so best case scenario is we 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 get the permanent injunction and uh and the following uh, uh parts of the case uh, go in our favor as far as the science goes and then uh and are our worries over at
2: that point? Well, it, it, assuming everything goes well, and yeah, you know, and, and and you know, and obviously, when you get involved in litigation, there's never any guarantees. But if everything goes well, then the victory on the law part, on the interstate transportation part, should hold, um, because the only way that can be changed. is is by the U.S. Congress and and, and the President of the United States through legislative action. And that's, um, you know, given how upset that some of these congressmen are about the Lacey Act, um, I I think we should be in pretty good shape there for a long time. Um, And with regard to overturning the actual listing of some of these animals, they would have to start all over. And there's yeah. nothing to stop them from starting all over, but they would have to start all over, and uh, you know, and, and that obviously that would be a long process, and you know, and, and so I, I wouldn't, I couldn't even venture a guess. I mean, you know, a lot of times, you know, the peop you know, the you know, the, the other side will just figure it's not worth their effort to keep on fighting some things. So yeah, I I wouldn't know what to to guess on that, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say that we're clear because they do have the opportunity if they want to you know to, you know, to start a new listing process.
0: So what's uh what do have to do this, it based this, on good science?
1: Right. Okay. Well, what's 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 all this cost? What what's the number up to?
2: If I may ask. How much does it cost?
1: Yeah, how much is it? That's, uh,
2: that's a good question. that's a good question. I'm not the one that's writing the checks. Um okay. but um you know, it's it's probably you know, several hundred thousand dollars. Um it's you know, it's it's not it's not inexpensive to um you know have Washington D C lawyers, you know, fighting these cases for you um you know we and you know, we try to be efficient they you know the the law firm tries to be efficient um you know they've been working with us um but it's it's still an expensive proposition
1: wow it's it's amazing though i mean without without U.S. Ark and without this lawsuit we would have lost the uh, serious grounds and That would open the door for just about anything in the future to be in, right? To the Oh yeah, well yeah. I mean yeah. Without without challenging this,
2: then you know, I mean, they they would feel emboldened to list anything they wanted, right? And in fact, you can see that they, they they did feel reasonably emboldened because yeah that they listed the reticulated python and the green anaconda which which even if you just accept the maps that the USGS created which you know we don't but even if you accept them you know there's very limited range where they show that they could even survive in the United States potentially survive um and nonetheless they came around and listed those animals anyway
1: yeah. Well, I mean, if or nothing else, uh, we're tiring them out, right? I mean, we're giving them a good fight and yeah, we tearing them down.
2: Yeah, well, and, and you know, and, and, you know, I mean, I, I have to imagine at some point they're going to start to look at these animal rights groups and, you know, not be pushed by them as, as much as they have in the past because if this goes, it's gone poorly for them so far, and assuming that it continues to go very poorly for them, nobody likes to lose. Um, So, yeah, I I, I would imagine that that they're going to be much more cautious in the future if things keep on going our way.
1: Um, We talked a little bit about... uh, PJAC, and uh, for people that don't know what PJAC is, could you explain what PJAC does for uh, pet stores and whatnot, and how they're separate from the ARC?
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the question you would ask was was you know kind of, I, and and you, know, and you can articulate it better than I can, but you know, you know, there, there there have been concerns raised in the past of that USARC and 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 PJAC were somehow or another the same thing, or that that, that 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 they had some control over us, and yeah, and and nothing could be further from the truth. Um, two completely totally different organizations. Um, yeah, you know, we've been around for whatever five or six years. PJAC has been around for decades. PJAC is essentially, u. s. Arc, except for you know for the whole pet community, dogs and cats and so on, and and obviously, you know their focus is more on dogs and cats because that's where the big money is. Um, you know we have a working relationship with them, which is beneficial to u s Arc. Uh, you know they they you know provide us with information. Um, you know that they they share some resources with us um you know when we're fighting in any particular um state you know on on snake legislation, you know we are usually you know way ahead of them, and so we provide them with the work that we've been doing, and then they come in and file. You know, you know, and, and and fight, you know, essentially alongside of us, you know, based on the information, you know, the the basic information that we give them, and then you know, and, and then they, and but they have lots of experience in doing these things, so mm-hmm. it's it's all a very beneficial arrangement for us. I know that there was concern that the CEO or whatever of of Jack was um, some guy that had been um, a CEO of I think it was ASPCA at one time um, and and that obviously was not a very you know a very positive move on their part. Um, but it didn't affect us in terms of you know our ability to still have a beneficial relationship with them. Um, what it did was it hurt them and he's no longer their ceo and so that was i guess we'll just chalk it up as a bad mistake but um you know as as for usr you know it it was it wasn't a problem for us you know other than you know obviously we wouldn't do you know we wouldn't have someone come in from animal rights and become important in our organization but I that's no we're separate from them
1: right now the h s u s just from what i'm seeing seems seems to be losing a lot of ground out there uh, as far as support and whatnot would you would you in your experience would you say that's true well yeah you know, i i i do think i do think that the message
2: is starting to get through, and that the public is starting to to Understand you know that h s u s is not your local animal shelter um and 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 actually you know Phil just sent me something um either today or yesterday where h s u s for the first time I've ever seen was responding to the allegations that have been made against them um and of course you know sidestepping it and and, and, and not really honestly dealing with it um but you know i mean they 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 paid a fifteen i believe it was fifteen point three million dollar settlement in a in a rico lawsuit um against um involving what was essentially ringling brothers um, and you know so i mean so that that was I mean, that was kind of enlightening The people that, you know, they're paying all this money to the Humane Society and they're going out and getting involved in these lawsuits that they're then being countersued in and ending up having to pay $15 million because, you know, they, they did a lot of things that uh, they shouldn't have been doing. It's not, what it boiled down to is essentially um, witness tampering Um Okay. And yeah, you know, and 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 other issues and and they they they're starting to respond to these. So yeah, I'd say that that, that our message is getting out. There. And it's not, you know, just the you know the the snake people. It's it's um it's agriculture. It's zoos, it's it's you know, kind of across the board, you know, people are fighting back. And so you know, hopefully at some time in the future it will become more common knowledge and understanding within the general public.
1: Okay, yeah. Um you know, we see sometimes uh my friend Steve Arthur, for instance, he lives in New York and uh he was looking to buy a new house and he learned that one of the towns right near him has a ban on all reptiles in the city, one of the towns. And uh right. so obviously he didn't move to that town. But uh what's we'll to stop little towns and little municip- municipalities from uh or townships from doing their own little bands.
2: Well, you know, and, and 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 there's there there's a lot of that going on. And um you know, and, and obviously we can't be everywhere fighting everything all the time. Um yeah, you know, but but what we are doing is we're you know, getting big victories and then we'll use those cases to as precedent to use in other states and in other municipalities and so on. Um yeah, you know, and, and you know, one 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 good example was last year in West Virginia they tried to ban um all turtles um all clawed frogs um all tree frogs, all toads um the large lizards, all venomous snakes the large you know the large constrictor snakes um all salamanders essential almost almost all reptiles and amphibians and um, all crocodilians, and um, we fought back. And by the time we were done fighting, the only thing that was left on their list was Komodo dragon, which (laughs) you can't really own legally anyway. Um, So we had managed to even prevail on some very, very difficult issues, Um, issues of venomous snakes, um crocodilians, but you know what- what what happened was was that you know they put themselves in an all or nothing position, figuring that they could just get away with it, and yeah. so we fought all we fought all or nothing, and um we were able to uh convince the legislature we were able to convince um legislative committees um and so on that these listings were not in the best interest of West Virginia, and so slowly but surely through this fairly long process in West Virginia, we had everything removed in terms of reptiles and amphibians from the list, um, yeah, and, and you know, if, if someone would have said to me that in 2015, we would get a preliminary injunction against the United States government, and that we would take and turn around which, what was almost a total ban on reptiles and amphibians, and knock everything out of the off the ban you know I would have said you're nuts, you know that you know that, i mean so um so you know, one thing that I want to leave your um listeners with is that I'm very enthusiastic with what we've been able to accomplish, just looking back over this year it's it's truly amazing, and you know we're we're working hard to get people in the reptile and amphibian communities to to help us and we're working on just a lot of new ways of fighting um you know new fights. And um, I'm, I'm, you know, given just you know the restricted budget that we've had so far, and um, and, and and just the, you know, the the difficulty of of fighting some of these fights, I'm I'm a, and 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 not getting anywhere near the amount of support that we that we should be able to get from the reptile and amphibian community. Um right. I'm extraordinarily optimistic as people begin to see what's been accomplished. Rather than you know, it's not you know, people talking and saying, you know, look at us, we're great, it's actual rolling up the sleeves, doing the work and showing what can be done. I'm I'm very optimistic where we will go as more and more people, you know, join in and help both with um becoming u s art members giving us a little bit of money um and 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 really I mean, as important you know you joining with us to help us in these fights and if i if can of if, if I can just take a second and if if any of your listeners
1: no, are saying oh, know, i want it. to
2: help you uh, yeah, if, if they're saying, I want to help USARC, get on Facebook, send me a message. Trust me, we will be able to use your help.
1: What can, what can we do for you? I always uh, tell our listeners to donate to the fund. Is there anything else that has a radio show that we can do for you, Yeah, Yeah, if, if people want to become
2: active in... Fighting these bans, um, if, if if they have, you know, they, they don't need to, you know, commit to, you know, getting in their car and driving to some other state to show up for hearings and stuff like, you know, if if, if you know, just if if they if they if they can write reasonably well, if they can, you know, use a computer, um, then, yeah, let, you know, get in touch with me, and we'll we'll get you working to help us because it's important that when you're fighting these fights that what, no matter what state you're in, it's important that they know that there's lots of people who are concerned about this. And so they start getting bombarded by you know, thoughtful comments you know, from people and they see those comments mounting. There's people that say it doesn't make any difference. That's baloney. It makes a huge difference. And we've seen the difference it makes. And so what I'm saying to your listeners, you want to engage with us to help us with that, send me a message. We'll get you involved.
1: I'll share your uh, profile page on the Gecko Nation radio uh, page tonight. Hopefully that will help reach some people, too, uh, that can contact you. I just shared the link uh, in the chat room. There's some posts in there. Uh, if there's anybody on the line right now that wants to call in with a quick question, press one, and I'll know you want to come on the air. Um, and there's a bunch of people listening, but I don't know if they want to come on the air or not, Rich. Um, so, Rich, uh, we, we don't have to take too much more of your time. But um, for the future, uh, how you feeling? You're feeling good about it. From what I can hear, it sounds positive. Yeah, no, I'm I'm extra I, I am <laughs>
2: I'm extraordinarily optimistic. I, I, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, are are these animal rights groups going away? Not a chance. Not unless yeah. the IRS steps in and takes away their 501c3 status. Um because they're getting hundreds of millions of dollars. So, you know, right. they're not going away. We, you know we will continue to um have some amounts of money allocated against um reptiles and amphibians, but you know we 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 can fight back and we will fight back, and we're on the better side of this argument it's It's real you know what they're trying to do is really unAmerican they're you know, taking away people's rights. You're telling David Powell you can't have those leopard geckos anymore
1: without <laughs> without due process. You can't take rights away without due process, right? I mean, and 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 why and,
2: and why would you? I mean, why would you take away someone's rights
1: to have
2: leopard? Ge- it's just so uh, arbitrary.
1: Um, well, I haven't heard that. They're not coming after my leopard geckos yet, though. Uh, you know. <laughs> But not jinxson oh uh, well I, I would i would
2: i would i would guarantee to you that there won't be any rap power in Sabian that they won't go after yeah I, mean, I would agree with that too this uh
1: this this president in well this uh this win in virginia uh did that set a precedent that can be used at a federal level
2: well not not at a federal level. But you know the the win in West Virginia um, is going to send a message to other states that if they you know if if, if they go after reptiles and amphibians that we're going to fight back, right? Um, and so over time. You know, there there will be a reputation that's developed, and they'll understand that this isn't easy pickings. They'll understand when the Humane Society of the United States sends its representative in and talks to a particular representative who doesn't know anything about this stuff and and, and introduces a bill. They'll realize they'll be oh my god, you know, this is going to really create a lot of havoc during this um, legislative session, and um, it'll make it a lot easier to get those bills just, you know, so that they're never even, you know, considered.
1: What about it? What's going on in Ohio? Ohio. Uh um, over with? Because I know they were having problems there uh, last year, I believe, or the year before. Boy,
2: that's... That, yeah, I mean, Ohio was really very unfortunate. Um, that continues to be a thorn in our side. Um, it it obviously went poorly in Ohio. That was, you know, you know, several years ago. It was before Phil Goss was the U.S. art president. Um, and at this point um probably the most likely remedy for that is when John Kasich, the the governor in the state has to uh step down presumably they'll have they'll have term limits there and um once we get you know rid of the governor then um we'll probably have a decent chance of getting in there and and fixing things up
0: Good. Good. But, yeah, there continues to well, be yeah. problems
2: there's lawsuits there's lawsuits that are being filed the, you know the, the the government uh the department of agriculture in ohio is is going and confiscating people's um exotic animals i mean it's 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 most you know what we're seeing in the news is you know, mostly people who have bears and lions and you know large mammals but who are who seem to be taking care of them um quite well and and the government's coming in like a bunch of thugs and um taking these animals from these people and there's lawsuits that are being filed so people are fighting back um, uh you know but yeah i mean and, and 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 the government seems to be fairly corrupt people file their applications to get permits on their grandfathering and things like that and their permits are disregarded and then and then they're told, well, you know, it's too late now to file even though they filed previously. There's just a lot of stuff that's going on there that um I, I think once we have a change of administration there that will um that'll give us some opportunities maybe to uh to get that law changed.
1: Okay. All right, well, I mean, if anybody wants up to date information, you guys can definitely check out the USR, uh website and page on Facebook. David, hey, if people have any questions about legal stuff they don't understand, I'm sure they can contact you about that too, right?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, shoot me a message. I'll do what I can.
1: All right, cool. Um, I, I Like I said earlier, I feel better. I felt better talking to you the other day, and I feel better too now. Um, is there anything else we'd like to leave our listeners with, uh, before we start oh wait, I'm sorry, we have one caller. Uh that's my co host Tim Walton wants we'll to call any other question for you. Uh Tim, okay. you're live on the air.
0: Hey, what's going on guys? Good show so far. Uh sorry I couldn't be on tonight but uh I'm busy at work. Um but I the question I had for you was what is the relationship between the ASPCA and the H S U S the relation
2: um well 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 they are separate organizations um, yeah i i i would assume that they work together on you know on on these various campaigns against you know our pets and against um zoos and against um uh Animal agriculture, and I guess the best example, that Tim, that I could give you of that that kind of shows that that must be going on is that when um, uh, uh, the Humane Society of the United States had to pay that $15.3 million, um, the um, ASPCA, ASPCA was also involved in that same case, and they had to pay $10 million. So, you know, they, they they obviously were both involved together, working together um, on that case. And, and and like you know, right now, um, another good example is not is not ASPCA, but actually um, the the brief that was filed this past Wednesday was filed by jointly by the Humane Society of the United States and. The Center for Biological Diversity. So, you know, and and I mentioned earlier about you know that that there's also some environmental sounding groups that have been infiltrated by the animal rights folks, and that's you know a perfect example. So yeah, I mean they, I mean, and that's 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 a cut and clear case where these organizations are working together. They 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 intervened in the case jointly. They they're filing a a a joint brief. so, while while they are separate legal entities, um, you can see lots of examples where they do work together.
0: so yes, the- I was I was asking because I you know you usually see the ASPCA you know commercials uh, asking for money on TV. So that's I figure that's where a, a lot of their you know, revenue comes from, and and I was curious where you know how exactly if they share it or just if you had more information on it. No,
2: I can't imagine that they're sharing that revenue. Um, you know, I mean, like I said, you know, they're, they're, they are separate legal entities, um, but they they do work together and. Um, you know, and we, we've got plenty of evidence of
1: that. Great, great. Hey, Chip, you want to hang on and we'll bring you on at the very end?
0: Um, I can't, uh, hang on too long. Let me just say real quick now, um, I just wanted to say thanks. I'm going to have to, uh, step away from the show for a while. Uh, I just want to say thanks to all our listeners. Sorry to, uh, interrupt tonight, but as I said, I'm at work, so, uh, kind of busy over here, but um, yeah, I definitely plan on uh, being back and doing some more stuff with Dave, and I hope everybody enjoys it, and and thanks to everybody for the support, but I just uh, have a lot of stuff going on in my personal life right now, so just have to take a little break from the show, and uh, as I promised Dave a long time ago, at some point I will get, get around to doing an episode.
1: As a guest.
0: Okay, cool. All okay. right, so we have another call in line, so thanks. So um, I'll
1: be in touch with you too. All right, have a good night, guys. Thank you. All right, you You want to take
0: one more call, Rich? Sure.
1: Okay. Caller from the nine five four area code. You're live on Definition Radio.
0: Hi, David. It's Hi, Barbara David. Santora. How are, How are you? Good,
1: Barbara. What can I do for you? Tonight? Okay,
0: um, I'm really uh, impressed with this show tonight. I do have one question for this gentleman. How is the pet industry uh, lining up with the dollars for uh, lobbying and supporting and continuing reptile pet industry? Because they make a lot of money on this stuff, and that's very obvious. So I'm done. That's my question. (laughs)
1: Okay, I'm gonna have to meet you because you're getting some feedback anyway. But uh, uh, Rich can okay. handle that. Can. Okay. Go ahead. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, actually,
2: um, you know, what you know, our our biggest contributor, and you know, to be honest, you know, who we really wouldn't be able to have done what we've done mm-hmm. is Zoomed. Um. So you know yes you know the, you know they they um have stepped up and um they they've been contributing over 100,000 dollars a year right. um and 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 they're great people um you know the, their owner is the um chairman of the board for USARC um and 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 I apologize to all the other you know, manufacturers out there that contribute to U.S. art because there's lots of them. Um, To be honest with you, you know, I'm not really involved in that side of things. And so, you know, if we had Phil Goss on the show, you know, he would be able to, you know, rip off a whole list of, you know, other folks who have been contributing to U.S. art. But, yeah, I don't. I, I'm sorry. I don't. You know. I don't have that list off the top of my head. But they are out there.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, that's, there are people doing it, uh, and we can do it too. It's very easy. I mean, anything will help at this point, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just yeah. I mean, and 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 literally. I mean, even you know, if someone says, well, you
2: know, I you know, I don't really have the finances, but you know, but I. I I, you know, I understand what's going on, and I, you know, and, and I can support by sending in emails when you, when you're fighting in different states and so on. Please, you know, get in touch with us because, um, you know, we will, you know, we'll be able to um, use your
1: help.
0: Okay, thank you so much.
1: Okay, thanks for calling in, Barbara. You're
0: welcome. Okay, bye bye. All
1: right, Rich. This has been an enlightening uh, episode for us. Uh, so like I said earlier, is there anything last uh, thoughts uh, you'd like to leave us with tonight?
2: Just, I, 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 I think that um, everyone in the reptile and amphibian community should opti- be optimistic um, because we're only going to get, you know, better. We're only going to get more effective. We're only going to get more organized. Um, so, um, you know, I I I I see a bright future. I, I wish I could tell everybody that we're not going to have any more of these fights in a year from now. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. I certainly
2: can't make a promise like that. But what I can promise is that you know, is is it will be effective. Um,
1: in, in in you know, in, in fighting back, right? And everybody can do a little to do their part. Well, I. Like I said, I'm going to keep uh, mentioning it on the show and uh, try and inspire other people to donate. And if you can think of anything else that we can do as a radio show here, Rich, uh, just let me know, and I'll be I'll totally be impressed with you online as well.
2: Absolutely, well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and with your audience.
1: Thank you so much, Rich. I really appreciate you giving us your time and your knowledge tonight. And keep, I just keep doing what you're doing. I, it's uh we're very fortunate to have you on our
2: side out, out there in the fight. Well, thank you, David, and it's a pleasure to to speak with you. And any time, really, um, you know, I'm happy to give you guys updates and let you know what's going on. Um, you know, I can I can talk about, I mean, obviously there's, you know, some things that, you know, about, you know, specific about an ongoing case that I can't, you know, give away. But, you know, I can talk about a lot of stuff. I can talk about almost everything, so um and I'm happy to do it.
1: All right, well you have an open invitation. If you ever feel that uh you want to come on uh, to do an update of something, even if it's just for a few minutes, you're you're welcome anytime.
2: Good. I look forward to it.
1: All right, cool. Thanks again. Have a good night, Rich. Alrighty, good evening. All right, folks, um that was uh, a lot a lot of information there. I hope you guys were able to understand it. I think uh Rich did a great job breaking everything down for us tonight. Um, like I said, if you guys have any questions additional questions, uh, you guys can contact him on his Facebook page at Richard Stanley. I'm gonna put that the link to that page up on the uh Gecko Radio Facebook page and I'll even put it in the declination group as well. And uh also I really appreciate your feedback on tonight's show. Anything uh that you guys uh uh got from this and took away from it, uh would be good to know. You know, that's a uh um we know we did a good job. I hope I answered, asked all the good questions and got everything uh, uh, that you guys were thinking about, uh, talked about, talk about tonight in our conversation. All right. All um, right. From this point on, I'm going to go ahead and thank our sponsors, and I'm going to uh, play a song at the end for you guys and take us out. Next week I have, uh, uh, hopefully, uh, Dave Durham. He's in the chat room right now. Uh, you know him as the Lizard Whisperer. I'm hoping that uh, he can make it on the show next week. We're going to talk about that. Uh, Dave just uh, uh, went through a pretty bad uh, bite with one of his monitors. He got bit on his hand. Unfortunately, that happens sometimes. and um, Can't blame the animal, of course, uh, and Dave sure doesn't. Um, but we're going to talk to him, hopefully, and uh, see what he has to say about that. Uh, Dave, uh, you can check out Dave's channel at Dave Durham on Facebook I mean on uh, YouTube okay uh, let's see alright first off I want to give you guys the coupon codes right off the bat so you guys can take advantage and uh, get some cool discounts on reptile products that you think you might need alright number one dbdpet.com uh, the code for Dale's of Dragons pet supply is GNR5 okay GNR5 all in caps that'll give you 5% off any every time you order and uh They have a huge uh, website they just did, and basically any reptile supply products you could use are on that site. So check them out. All right, abdragons.com, of course. If you guys need doobie roaches, check out abdragons.com. They also have a bunch of obscure species of roaches that you might need for different uh, exotic animals, and uh, one of the few uh, roach companies really branching out into different species of roaches. So definitely check them out, abdragons.com, if you... You are ordering from them. Use the code Gecko all in caps at checkout for 5% off any order with them as well. And uh, let's talk about reptilestickers.com. If you guys need promotional materials, banners, graphic design work, stickers, uh, check out reptilestickers.com and Happy Gecko on Facebook. Okay, check them out. That's Rachel's uh, business. Those very good graphic design work. Uh, sea serpents and hot box incubators. Uh, best racks. Best incubators on the market right now, pretty much, and uh, doing very well. A lot of people are uh, supporting sea serpents and hotbox incubators, so take advantage. Check them out. Uh, Great quality uh, racks and incubators. All right. Also, reptilesexpress.com. If you guys are shipping animals, make sure you're doing it the legal way, the right way, and with uh, the best rates on FedEx labels and reptile shipping supplies. I love their boxes. I say it all the time. And the Thick heavy insulation on their boxes, which is great. Keeps everybody warm in the winter and cool in the summer. Reptilesexpress.com. And, of course, Rainbow Mealworms. I love Rainbow Mealworms. Everybody loves Rainbow Mealworms. Check out RainbowMealworms.net. Best pricing on mealworms and feeders. And uh, they got all kinds of great stuff. They can even do little combo packs and everything for you. Uh, If you're a breeder like me and you need shipments, timely every week or every couple weeks, you can set that up with rainbowmulewarms.net. Uh, let's see. Gecko Boa Reptiles. Check out gecko Boa.com for all kinds of high-end leopard gecko morphs and leopard gecko subspecies. John has all the available subspecies and all the best bloodlines that are, are available in America right now. So check out gecko Boa.com and gecko Boa Reptiles on Facebook. And, of course, Ohio Gecko, if you guys like tangerines, tails and other cool leopard gecko morphs, check out OhioGecko.com. That's FAD's site. And uh, Supreme Gecko, I love what Wally's doing. Every year he does a 12-day-of-Christmas uh, celebration kind of contest thing. And uh, I think they're on day seven, so I don't think it's too late to get in. So check out SupremeGecko.com and Supreme Gecko on Facebook. Um, get in on the action. You can win some cool reptile products, even cool reptiles and uh, cr- uh, credits towards reptiles. A lot of people have donated some great stuff, including me. So I donated a really nice eclipse. And last but not least, Mr. Ron Tremper. Check out leopardgecko.com. That's Ron Tremper's site. All kinds of bandits, glows, and raptors and pastel raptors and all kinds of good stuff on Ron Tremper's site. And if you're new to geckos and you'd like to get an encyclopedia of geckos on your phone, Um, Gecko Morse, Leopard Gecko Morse, that is. Check out LG Pro in the App Store. And you also have an app called Leopard Gecko Care in the App Store. Also, great apps. I have them on my phones. All right. Um, Tonight, one last reminder. Please donate to the U.S. Spark Legal Defense Fund if you can. That would be really cool of you if you could do that. Anything will help in our fight to preserve our rights to keep our exotic animals. And uh, if you guys need any additional advice and or if you'd like to help in any way that you think would be good, contact Richard Stanley on Facebook. He'll be happy to help you. Great interview tonight. Very thankful to have him on the show. I hope you guys got something out of it. And uh, with this whole thing about, you know, people trying to take our rights away, I thought we'd play a little song from Metallica. Here's Don't Tread on Me.
2: Goodbye. Thank you very much.